Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or Walmart.com. You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast episode number 48. Today we are talking with Katie from Maryland. And Katie actually runs the ICANN Instagram page. So naturally, we are going to talk all about ICANN today and how you can get connected to that wonderful resource. But before we get into it, Megan has our review of the week. Today's review is from Lena Ben 87 She says, I love this podcast. I have learned so much thanks to this podcast. So many good stories. It gives me hope for my second pregnancy, which is number baby number two in May of 2019. Congratulations, Lena, in advance. Yay. And I don't want to make the same mistake. So I'm listening to all the advice on this podcast. Thank you so much, Lena, for that wonderful review. We are thinking of you, and we hope to have you on the podcast someday soon. Yeah, I think by the time this episode airs, it's going to be April. So you're going to get really close. So... <laughs> So maybe you'll hear Good your own review on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> and if you have not done it yet, we would love your review. You can leave them on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, or if you don't have that, you can go over to our Facebook and leave a review, or even on Google, you can review um, on Google. So yeah, we're on Google My Business now. Yeah. Wow, it's official. So if you wouldn't mind, leave us a review. It means the world to us. And of course, we read them every single week on the podcast. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Happy Wednesday, women of strength. We are so excited for our guest today because Katie runs the Instagram page on ICANN. And so if you, before you do anything right now, hit the pause button on this episode and go to, to Instagram and search for... Katie, what's the name? Is it I Can Online? It's I Can Birth. I Can, I can birth. birth. Yes. Mm -hmm. I Can Birth. I forget because like the website's a little different than Instagram. Yeah. Go on Instagram right now. Look up I Can Birth. We are going to tag them in our stories. Um, so if you have trouble finding them, just go to our Instagram page. 
Katie, I feel like I kind of already know you a little because we were back and forth a little on Instagram and we share their stuff and they share our stuff. And so I kind of feel like we already have a pre-established connection prior to this episode. So I'm so (laughs) excited that you are here with us today to share your VBAC story. So I'm just going to let you take it away and get into it. And then after you're done, either you or I can share information on how people can find their local ICANN chapter and what resources are available to them through ICANN. Great. I'm so excited to talk to you guys too. I, Like you said, it's been so fun going back and forth on Instagram and just finding other people that love to talk about birth and mm-hmm. VBAC especially. So I guess I'll get started with my first birth, my first delivery. I have two boys and my first one was born via cesarean. And when I was going through the pregnancy with him and you know, just getting ready for childbirth, I knew that I wanted an unmedicated labor and I wanted, you know, just like that whole experience. I was going to birth in a hospital. I was with an OB practice because that was kind of stealing me with my husband. Like the first one we'll do an OB and then maybe we'll do a midwife for our next baby. And we really thought that we had educated ourselves in terms of the kind of birth that we wanted and all that good stuff. And then when it came down to it, I was late. I was like past 40 weeks and then I was past 41 weeks. And then Hmm. I just, that was where I kind of stopped listening in the birth class. I was, I was like, Oh, I'm just going to go into labor on my own. I don't need to learn about induction. I don't need to learn about what happens when you go past your due date. And then further than when your provider is comfortable with you going past your due date, I just didn't learn about all of that stuff. We, I, long story short, I did get induced with him and I was like 41 and two, I think. And so we went in like, you know, like inductions, it's, they say, okay, you go into the hospital at this time or the hospital is going to call. I don't know if that's how it works everywhere, but at least in our area, they're like, okay, that, it was not like a, an emergency induction. So yeah. Right. Pretty, pretty standard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll schedule you, but then the hospital was really busy. So they called and they were like, okay, well, you're not going to be able to come in today. We can call you tomorrow. So that was really weird thinking that you were going to go in and have a baby and then never mind. Maybe yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> so then we went in the next day and we were just like, okay, if I'm going to be induced, like we're just going to change our plan. I don't know. We, like, we downloaded shows to watch. We were like, okay, we'll just change our plan. We'll just make do with what this is. And then we got to the hospital and she, my it wasn't even OB. The nurse came in and she goes, oh, since you were admitted and it's like halfway through the day now, we're going to skip all the cervidil and any like cervical ripeners and go straight to Pitocin. And again, I didn't know that maybe this wasn't the best idea for my body. Mm-hmm. But hey, so skipping like, cervidil, okay. sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just had no idea like what to ask for or anything like that. So, so what was your Pitocin. cervix at at that point? I think it was like maybe a one. Okay. It was maybe a one because later on I looked at, I've Your worked on like medical records uh-huh. and um, it was a one. Okay. Like I calculated my bishop score, but I have after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so I'm hooked up to the Pitocin and it's not bad. And I knew that with Pitocin, I just wanted to get an epidural later on down the line because I'd heard that Pitocin contractions can be more difficult to manage. So then... A couple hours later, my nurse walked in and she said, we have some bad news. And I had low platelets, which I didn't, I wasn't aware of during my pregnancy. I'm sure you've had other moms who it's called gestational thrombocytopenia. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like major like that. Um, It was just low platelets that were just caused 
from pregnancy. I don't have them outside of pregnancy. Yep. So because my platelets were really low, they were below the threshold that I could get an epidural because then there's a risk of bleeding. I think in the, um, in the site that they would give you an epidural. Mm-hmm. So then our game plan changed again because we're like, okay, we're going to go through this. No epidural. That's not an option. And it was just a really like long, tough night of going through labor and nothing you could do about it. And I remember the nurse walking in and she would just like not make eye contact and turn the Pitocin up and kind of walk back out. And we're like, what is happening? So it was tough. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot of it. I think it was just like so many changes so fast that we just had to roll with that we never really had time to like gain our footing and say, okay, like this is what's happening now. This is what we can do. It was just like one thing after another. So I was induced around like one, one or one thirty on a Friday afternoon. And then, you know, I was in labor throughout the night. The next morning I was still at nine. I had been stuck at nine centimeters for a while. Mm. And every couple hours the nurses would take my blood just to see if my platelets went up or down or did anything. And they finally did go up to the point where I could get an epidural, which I really, really did one at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did, I was able to get the epidural. I was really excited about that. And I, I was laboring at nine centimeters for a few hours. So I just felt like my body needed a break. Like mm-hmm. looking back, I really felt like my body was like, this is too much, you know, that like fight or flight, like this isn't happening. We're just kind of, kind of let labor like stay here. Like my body just wasn't feeling like safe to go any further, I think. Mm-hmm. So I got the epidural and then just rested for a few hours. And during those few hours, I did go to get to 10. And then I did, the doctor came in. I pushed for about three and a half hours and my Aww. son didn't come down. That is so hard. Pushing, Pushing for so hard. long is so hard and frustrating. Yeah, it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, like looking back, I was pushing flat on my back. Mm. Then our nurses were wonderful. It was like, I feel like they were just taking the direction of the provider, but like, you know, the provider, she would come in, check, leave. It wasn't like, Hey, try this new position or Hey, maybe like turn this way or sit up or, you know, there's a lot of positions you can push in, even if you have an epidural. So there wasn't like really any suggestion or anything in that area. It was just, okay, well you tried, you know, we'll give you until three, three and a half hours and then we'll call it a day. So our mindset then was like, let's just, we just want our baby to be here. You know, it had been over 24 hours at that point. We were exhausted and tired and hungry and all of that stuff. So that night, you know, we went in for the C-section and it wasn't an emergency. So we, I feel really lucky that we weren't like his heart rate was fine the whole time. It wasn't like a rush to get me in there, a rush to get him out. But anyways, we went in for the C-section and he was born and that he had aspirated a little bit of meconium, mm. so they did take him to the NICU for one hour. So then my husband went with the baby. His name is Cole. Mm. And then I, you know, they stitched me up, and then I went to recovery. And honestly, and I'm not, I know people have really difficult traumatic births, and this wasn't that at all, but I think we were just so exhausted, and the plan was changed so many times. Like, I was more tired than anything. I just wanted to eat and sleep. And, you know, like, I felt like I never had that excitement of, oh, my baby is here. Like, I get to meet my baby. I was like, I need to eat a cracker. I need to drink mm-hmm. some water. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. And I think, like, in the moment, I was just happy it was over. And then, and I, I'll i get into this more when I talk about I can, but I feel like emotionally recovering from the birth, I was like, I didn't get to experience all those, the baby on my chest, like, meeting him. I don't really remember meeting him. 
just those things I felt like I really missed out on. And then I felt the guilt of not giving that to him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally does. But, you know, but he was overall like healthy. He was only in the NICU for an hour, which we were really so, so lucky that we then got him back and he stayed with us the rest of the time. And then physically, I was really lucky. The C-section recovery wasn't bad. It was probably pretty standard. You know, it sucks for the first couple days for anyone. But then we got home and we were good to go for, he was, we were lucky with breastfeeding. Breastfeeding went really smoothly. I know that can be a challenge for a lot of women after they have a Mm C-section. Yeah. And he was like a big, fat, happy little guy. (laughs) So Yay for fat babies. I know. I love fat babies so much. <laughs> These fat little thighs. Now, my second one just started crawling, and I'm like, no, I don't want you to move because I don't want you to lose, lose all this the weight. Chunk. Yeah. You need to keep these legs forever. Anyway, so I just, I think, like, the further, like, once I started processing the birth, I just had a really hard time emotionally kind of wrapping my head around what happened, and I, and I still carry a lot of guilt about not advocating but then I again I didn't know what to advocate for I just knew this isn't what I wanted this isn't going how I want it to go that sort of thing so in preparation my poor husband he's like he jokes like he could be a doula just from all the the talking about childbirth that I do all the time now Um, he's like I know way more about birth than I ever (laughs) ever thought I wanted to know (laughs) yes 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 so I just knew like something's got to change. I want a whole different experience next time. And even before I was pregnant or we talked about getting pregnant, I just never, once my first son was born, I just never stopped like learning and researching and Googling and reading and watching birth stories and listening to birth stories because it's, you know, not only did I want to change the story for myself, but I also like love birth. It's just the coolest thing ever. So then I got pregnant with my second and for both, oh, we didn't find out the gender for either one. So that was really exciting, too, just finding out, like, it's a boy both times. So I got pregnant with my second, and I knew I just wanted a different experience. So we did switch to a midwife, which I loved. I just loved, loved, loved the whole midwife experience, the midwifery model of care. I felt like from my first appointment on, it was just a totally different experience. You know, they were just so open and understanding, and I felt like, everything I talked about or anything that they presented, it wasn't like, okay, this is what we're doing. It was, these are some choices. This is information regarding the choices. You know, what do you feel like you want to do? And I just really appreciated that it was a conversation and not just like, you know, okay, here you go. Like, this is what we do when you hit this state. This is what we do when you hit this state. It was just a really fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like every time we went in, I had a huge list of questions Because for myself, I just needed to talk through every kind of what-if scenario. My biggest concern was around my platelets because for both pregnancies, like, they didn't drop until the very end. So I had no way of knowing, like, if that was going to be a problem or not for my second delivery. And my biggest concern was, like, okay, I'm going for a VBAC, but what if my platelets are too low and I have to have a Mm C-section? The option would be general anesthesia. So that was kind of the big thing weighing on my mind was, do I go for a VBAC and just hope it works? Or do I go this, I mean, not the safe route, yeah. but like the known route and do a, a planned a C-section yeah. early when my platelets are still high enough to like guarantee 
I could get an epidural. Uh-huh. So that was just something I had like every appointment and every poor midwife that I met with, I was having these conversations with and they were just like helping me talk through my options. And one of them, and I, the, the midwife who ended up delivering my son, she kind of did lay it out. She's like, you're, you're just going to have to decide like what, what's more important to you. And I said, I don't know. But I knew that me being awake for my child's birth was the most important part. But luckily, I didn't have to make that decision. Um, my platelets were fine. That's awesome. But it was just like I needed that constant reassurance of, you know, it's okay. We're going to help you make the right decision. But it is your decision. Mm-hmm. But it was good. It was good. Like I needed those conversations every single appointment. I loved the care I got. I loved the conversations that I was having with my midwives. And then my husband and I also took a hypnobirthing class that we absolutely loved. Um, a doula agency in our area puts it on and it was like one part childbirth education and one part hypnobirthing. And it was just, I didn't think that we needed another childbirth class, but I think we did because we just only selectively listened to things last time. So it's really helpful to go in and relearn all these things having had been through childbirth once before. And then the hypnobirthing, it just really it just really like helps prepare us. And my husband is not a crunchy guy. He's not like into stuff like that, but even he liked it. And it was kind of like our date night. Like it was just a couple weeks in a row where we got to get out of the house without our kid and just kind of hang out for a while. And it was just this guaranteed date night. We were also learning and it was also relaxing at the end. So it was a really cool experience too. I think for me surrounding myself with like stories and videos and pictures of just natural or of, vaginal childbirth was really helpful just reminding myself that like your body can do this and just reading all the stories and and hearing all those experiences was really helpful to me um I love listening to podcasts so that was that's where I got most of my birth stories from but it was just helpful to hear those stories and hear this women that have been through it and sharing those same worries and kind of coming out on the other side yeah that relation yeah and I totally respect that everyone's birth is everyone's idea of their best birth is is personal and is different. And I think that's really important, but it's hard when like, you know, maybe your friends or family are like, Oh, you know, you're fine. Baby's fine. Everything's fine, but you don't feel that way. So it's like helpful listening to other people who maybe had a difficult birth and knowing that it is okay to think that you, it's okay to not like your birth. Yes. And it's okay to love your birth. And it's okay to like be okay with, whatever happens at your birth or it's okay to be really like controlling about what you want to happen at your birth. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think having people like no one in my immediate circle was really understanding why I was having a hard time with it. So I think listening to stories of people who did have a hard time with it was comforting too, just to know that it wasn't just me. Yeah. You feel like way. you actually like, have a tribe of people that get you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. That was like, those are the helpful things for preparing for the second birth. And then, like I mentioned with my first, son he was born like almost a week and a half late so I was really prepared to go in for the long haul but then I actually went into labor the night of my due date which was really unexpected but also really exciting because yeah. I didn't have any contractions I had I didn't I don't even think I had Braxton Hicks with my first I never had a contraction on my own because even with my first a few times they would turn off the Pitocin to see if my body would kind of kick in and it didn't so it was so exciting to have my own contractions that my body made by itself but I also so I don't know because I never went into labor on my own I didn't know what to expect but I was expecting to have kind of a slow build into active labor but I went into labor at 9 p.m. 
because my husband and I, we have a toddler and like we're in this habit, we have to lay down with him to fall asleep. So, and then we fall asleep. So <laughs> we had all fallen asleep <laughs> reading a book. And then woke, I just like woke up at 9 p.m. to contractions. And I think they started around every like five minutes apart and nice. they never let up. So it was like, boom, you are in labor. But if my husband had like, we both woke up, he had to shower. I came downstairs because I'm like, uh, I don't, is this happening? I don't think this is happening. I'm just going to like pretend this is not happening. So then he got out of the shower and I'm sure he heard me like making all sorts of noises. It was like, oh, I know what those sounds are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 9 p.m. it started and then we got to the hospital by midnight and they were like, I think they were two or three minutes apart. So it really went fast. And by the time I got to the hospital, I was eight centimeters, which I was so, I can't even tell you, like, I'm so excited. I was so proud yeah. of yes. being there. That's huge. I just never thought uh, that would happen. And then I hear a lot of, a lot of even my friends who are pregnant for the first time, they're like, are you, you know, like people are so scared of childbirth and they're like, were you scared? And I'm like, I, you're ready. Like you're in that hospital and you're like, we're doing this. Like this is happening. We're doing it. I, I just felt so ready. Like there was no nervousness. There was no what ifs. It was like, this is happening. Like my VBAC yeah. is here. You're feeling empowered. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I just so remember. So we get into triage and the midwife checked me. And then we, I went right back into the, um, into one of the labor rooms and uh, the midwife was not, she was not one of my favorite midwives during my appointments. And then she was so incredible at the hospital. She stayed with me for almost two hours just did not leave my side. Like she was on one side, my husband was on other and the nurse was in there like pressing refresh to make sure my platelets were okay. Cause they had to take my blood and my platelets were good. But I just, I remember even in the moment saying like, Oh my gosh, like whose midwife stays with him for hours on end. Like she didn't leave the room. And it was just so, I just felt like they were so on my side, not just there like, okay, you know, whatever happens happens, but like just in my corner, like fighting with me to get this birth. So she was there and then I did end up getting an epidural, which I didn't think I was going to do. But um, in my mind, like the contractions were just reminding me too much of the Pitocin contractions because I guess all contractions are contractions mm-hmm. anyways, that I just, I like had to mentally separate that birth from this one. So I got the epidural and I, I'm glad I did because I just think I was able to focus. Like I was so scared of feeling those contractions because it was just bringing me back to that place. Yeah. That I felt like I needed to just have like a whole new clean start with a new labor. Mm-hmm. So got the epidural and was able to, you know, rest for a few hours. And then I do feel like the hospital in our area is making some improvements in terms of like helping, especially like epidural moms, you know, keep upright and keep that baby coming down. So they, the nurse was in every 30 minutes to change my position, which was oh, really awesome. Oh, that is awesome. so good. Yeah, it was fantastic. Like, they had the feed-up balls. Because my first birth, we brought a big, like, exercise ball that we left there. We did not want it back. But mm-hmm. um, the, the nurse is here. Like, she came in every 30 minutes changing position, checking on me, checking baby, which I was just really – I thought that was really cool. And I was really mm-hmm. excited about that. And then my water did not break with the second one. And now I wish I asked for her not, or I wish I, I wish she didn't break the water. She asked. It wasn't like, 
she just did it without asking, but it didn't break. And so once I was at 10, then she broke it. But now I'm like, oh, that would have been so cool if he was born like in call yeah, or something. Huh? But that's yeah, it. <laughs> it's super cool. I got to see one uh, last year. It was on my bucket list and it was pretty rad. <laughs> oh, my bad. I've seen pictures. It just looks incredible. But oh, well, it's OK. <laughs> like, this is not a big deal. But just have to keep having babies till you back. get that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So anyways, the midwife came in and I was at 10, but then she wanted to let me, since I, I don't know if they do this, if you have an epidural or don't, but I labored down for maybe two or three hours. I, I don't know how long it was, but she let me just labor down for a couple hours before I started pushing. And then it was neat when I started pushing. I guess the hospital wasn't very busy at this time. So I had my nurse who was incredible. And then this other sweet nurse came in, and she was a VBAC mom, so she was just there. Oh, yes. She was excited. <laughs> and then there was a student nurse there and her supervisor, and they all asked. It wasn't like people were just barging in. But it made me feel like so many people were really rooting for me. And then the sweet, probably terrified student nurse, she took pictures for us, which was really cool. So I have pictures of the whole birth. Um, that was awesome. It was just, it was, I thought it was really cool. Anyways, so all the ladies were in there and my husband, and I pushed for right under an hour. I think it was like 55 minutes or something like that, and he came out, and he was born. Yay! And it was amazing. And I just remember, like, you know when you can tell, like, okay, the baby actually is coming out? Because, you know, the, in the beginning, I don't know, you know, I could have it could have not worked, but when it, my midwife was like, okay, like, this is really happening, like, you're definitely having a V-bag, I just started sobbing like I just couldn't believe it was really here and really happening and it did and it was incredible and he went right on my chest and that's that's what I wanted like that's what I missed so much with my first birth was my baby was just gone for an hour and I didn't I didn't get that skin to skin right away I didn't even like I don't remember with my first with my first them saying oh it's a boy or anything it was just such a blur it was my second like he just went right on my chest and he stayed there and it was just incredible it was just the most incredible experience. That is so ever. awesome. <laughs> I love it. I'm yeah, excited. And are you one of the pictures that you're going to send? One of those pictures from the birth? I mean, I have like all sorts of pictures. So I don't know what. My- we would love to share all- some of them. Yeah. Okay. We can share some in our stories, but also we need one to go with your podcast image. Okay. Too. Yay. There's some good ones. Um, can <laughs> And I have a really cool one of our placenta. I guess I didn't know, like, the placenta and the bag of waters is attached. I didn't know that until mm-hmm. I saw the picture or mm-hmm. saw the placenta. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so cool. Um, Super awesome. But it was just awesome. And then, like, it was a boy. We didn't even, we thought it was going to be a girl, and he's a boy. It was so exciting. And that it, is awesome. Like, like, he stayed on my chest, and then my husband went and brought us lunch, and he, the baby was there, and it was just the coolest, like, most relaxed thing. I love it. It was just awesome. It was so fun. And I would do it like... It sounds super magical, you know, just like going in and being so far progressed and then like mentally preparing for the pushing and then having all that support and kind of had like your own little cheerleaders there. And then obviously just totally rocking your V back. That's awesome. Congratulations. It was so great. Thank you. We love it. It was the best. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. I love your story. Julie wants to share more about what you do on a daily basis. (laughs) (laughs) So 
this ICANN is a great organization. You guys, we teach a little bit about ICANN in our VBAC prep course. So I know a little bit about like the the facts and stuff like that. If you didn't know already, I am like stat fact geek. So ICANN <laughs> was actually founded in 1988 when women were really losing their voice for VBAC and they were losing access to it. And so ICANN founded it the same time as like the mid 80s when people like um, Penny Simpkin and Gina Kirby and all of those really incredible birth workers that advanced and and increased women's awareness that they actually can have control over their birth experience all came about and almost at the same time. And um, ICANN is really cool because their goal when they launched was to to reduce the number of of unnecessary C-sections that were that women were having and also to increase access to VBAC. And guys, in like a period of like eight to 10 years, I forget the exact numbers. I have a little chart um, of it actually. But in a period of about eight to 10 years from the time ICANN was founded, the overall VBAC percentages in the United States jumped by almost three times in less than 10 years. So it went from, I think, like, like 8% in 1988 to almost 24%. I'm kind of, I'm going to put a chart in a blog to go with this. So if you are wondering what the actual numbers are, go ahead to our blog, the vbacklink.com slash blog, and you can find those exact stats. But guys, I can did so much work for improving VBAC access and, and educating women about cesarean risks and all of those things. And it's been really incredible um, to see them grow and to see how big they are all over the United States. And I know that when I was preparing for my VBAC, there was in Utah, it was kind of like this really cool time where it was really like birth, like the birth community was like thriving and active. And there was like all sorts of like get togethers for doulas and expectant parents. And there was courses and all of these things. And, and, it's kind of fizzled out a little bit now. There's still a little bit going on, and I feel like it's gaining momentum again. But ICANN was one of those things. And when I was preparing for my first VBAC, it was really cool to go to these ICANN meetings. And sometimes all we did was just share our C-section stories and cry. And And I know that kind of maybe sounds a little bit sad, but it was actually really empowering to hear that other women had a story like me and that like Katie said earlier that there is people that actually knew that it was okay for you to feel sad about your birth experience even though you had a healthy baby and so i encourage you guys i can is all over the united states you can find your local chapter at ican-online.org right on their homepage they have a button that says find a chapter you can go click that button and it will you'll be allowed to search for a chapter that's close to you and i will also link that to the blog so if you're having trouble finding that um head on over to our blog the vbacklink.com/blog and be sure to head over to Instagram and give their page a like. I can birth at I can birth. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome! Your story is great. I love it. I'm dying to see your pictures. Yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com/share and submit your story. 
For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.